recording live with special guest Muhammad Sanu Jr. It's the Seahawks Nest podcast. This is uh, this is Muhammad Sanu's little child is joining. Us. Right, I would have got them confused, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that Muhammad Sanu put the senior on the back of his jersey. I would have been like, is that Muhammad Sanu Jr. out there playing? You know, there were a couple of weeks this year where they had the same stat line. That's right. Yeah, that's that's true. I didn't even think about that. But in honor of uh, Muhammad Sanu Jr., Jeremy Lane played like Muhammad Sanu Jr. this last game Muhammad, against Muhammad Sanu uh, Sr. That was a body. It's actually a body switch movie. Uh, it's <laughs> Muhammad Sanu Jr. and uh, Freaky Saturday. Jeremy, Jeremy Lane. They uh, they were they switched bodies. Yeah, yeah. It was really awkward. The scene where he found out he had a D up on his dad. The Atlanta talked mad smack. <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons trap. Uh, welcome back to the Seahawks Nest. I'm your host, Eric Ronnebeck, your very sad host. With us today is the uh, petulant Kevin Garber. And the, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. I, um, it's the first time <laughs> I've said that. And the truculent Nathan Santo. Wait, wh- what? Someone buy Eric Rodebeck a dictionary. I know exactly what I'm saying. I know exactly what I'm saying. Y'all can look it up. And uh, the I'm ghost not, of... We have, a new a, Patri- we have a new Patreon uh, goal. How I'm dare you. aggressively defiant. <laughs> you don't tell me what I am. <laughs> the, uh, you can't define me. The, the recalcitrant Kevin Garber. How's that? Do you care for that? <laughs> All right. So uh, we're coming off a uh, very terrible, terrible 36 to 20 uh, lashing from the Atlanta Falcons. The Seahawks season is over. Uh, gentlemen, what do you think? Initial thoughts. Go, Kevin. Uh, this loss was a very nice microcosm of everything that went wrong with the year. Yeah, it's, it was like um, all of the problems that we've been having with personnel like boiled into one nice uh, stew. It's a problem, Spody. Yes, it was a problem, Spody, <laughs> for sure. Uh, Kevin, what's the watermelon in our Spody? Um, I think the watermelon in our Spody was uh, um, left defensive back. Okay, yeah, our, our secondary looked... Uh, let's just say beatable, disorganized without, without the leadership of Earl Thomas. Yeah. And that organ it was missing was heart. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I, I, I thought Shed played. Shed played, Shed played a really solid Shed game. I'm going to, he just has limitations. I'm going to use a word that, uh, that means, that means a lot to Seahawks fans. The secondary looked mediocre. (laughs) Let's be real. The secondary looked mediocre. It just looked, it looked very human. Uh, Sherman is not a spring chicken. You know, there's a chance that he might be starting his inevitable decline. Well, he looked uh, a half step slow, but then they came out with the fact he's been playing the last eight weeks with, with an MCL injury. Out. That's and I, I do and that think, would make sense for a half step slow. Yeah, because I was gonna say he just doesn't. You know, the thing about Sherman was he had this like magical speed where he'd lull the quarterback into thinking, "Hey, I can throw it over there." He's kind of open, and then he'd just turn on the jets, and all of a sudden he gets picks. And for a six three dude, that was really unbelievable this year. No picks. We lost toxic differential in this game by a lot, and uh, it, we lost it all season. You know, we, it was our one of our worst toxic differential seasons in a long time. Was it Sherm led the team with inter- interceptions with four? Yep, that is a really low number for this crew. Yeah, you know, Earl didn't really get it, and he spent a lot of time on the shelf. Uh, I mean, this this team has a whole day of practice dedicated to keeping the ball from turnovers and com- making turnovers happen on defense. Next year, two days, and we didn't have. Did we have any <laughs> interceptions after Earl went down? 
We had a really low number of sick. I, I can't recall. I think we I looked at the I think stat. We have like actually. one garbage time. Someone, pick. someone will tell me I'm wrong, but I'm not going to look it up right I'm now. I'm going to go ahead and say I don't right now. Look at Twitter, unleash your hounds. Tell us we're wrong. Yeah, I don't. Prove I don't think we did. Us wrong. We were. We were really low on interceptions all year, and getting those turnovers didn't happen for us. We talked about this before we started recording, but without Earl Thomas, the Seahawks always play cover three. Without Earl Thomas. It's it's cover three just does not work for this team. Yeah, Stephen Terrell is not Earl Thomas. I know Earl Thomas, and you, sir, are no Earl Thomas. Thomas. He is not a starting caliber free safety in the NFL. Not in this scheme. He might be a starting caliber free safety in some other scheme. It requires a lot of off coverage and doesn't use a lot of zone. Right. Uh, free, like where they're they're saying, hey, on a lot of plays you're gonna man up on a third receiver or man up on a yeah. running back. You're gonna do something like that. He looked like a nickel corner trying to play safety. It was uh, it got ugly. I think it's fair, Kevin. To be honest, and I would have loved to see Kelsey McCray back out there. Like, I yeah. What 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 happened? How did he fall from grace so far? Like, I Kelsey think McCray, the thing is he doesn't play free safety. Is, is they, their logic? But they they played him at free safety before and made it work. It's, I know maybe they feel like they're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole, but I mean the fact is Terrell is not even a peg at all. Like, or I think they probably like the athleticism of Terrell. He's a peg like Terrell, but it's not. Yeah, but what? I mean, I don't know. The, I won't fault the front seven, especially Bennett. Bennett played a good game. He was the only defensive lineman that stood out to me on the tape. Uh, Jaron Reed was okay. A type of Ruben, I thought played Ruben himself was a game. okay. Uh, Averill was functionally invisible. He got washed out. And I mean, I will say the tackles got beat a lot because Alex Mack was awesome in this game. There were so many plays where he was exploding up into his blocks and opening a big hole for Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman. And that's just, I mean, it's to be expected. Alex Mack is the best center in the league, but it, it shows that if you invest in offensive line, there is a, <laughs> there's a tangible benefit to that. There it is. Uh, we'll, we'll get there in a that's second. Your one great lineman theory right there in so, practice. Oh, well, yeah. I think for defensive line with with teams that have a good defensive line, there's that one guy who's there all the time who's always good. Ours is Michael Bennett. You have Cliff Averill, and I'm not this is nothing not a knock on Cliff Averill, but he was so good for us most of the year, like he'd disappear for a game. I think it was like his game to disappear. And it's not yeah. like he was bad, he just like Kevin said, he got washed out. He's been so good for us and right. it's he was an important player for us all year, more important than usual because Bennett was injured. Yeah, and I don't, I don't. And in this game, he was he was functionally invisible. Like, and I think you could argue that him and Clark both got a lot of snaps this year, especially with Bennett going out. And I think that should not be underestimated. I think they might have ran out of I gas. Thought, I thought Clark was better in this game than than Averill even. I thought Averill would had just like sure. a not great game. But Averill is not a young man. And also. He's you know, still got a little more mileage. Rushing on. against Matthews, and you know that's it's harder. Like they, these are harder. This is a hard team to rush against. They, I mean, go back and watch the game again. I know no one wants to do that for some reason. We just did that. Yeah. <laughs> it was painful. Trust us, it was not it was awful. We took that uh, bullet for you. The but they, they kept they kept Matt Ryan clean. Ten pressures on forty snaps. That's that's well, not that's. I, as you pointed out, Nathan, there were times where he had time and did not connect on the pass. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just. It just seemed like he dropped back. There was nobody in his face, you know. Because even if, even if you throw it, get the ball out quick, which undoubtedly Matt Ryan does, he gets the ball out very quick. He's efficient. He's a good quarterback. Like real talk, he's a good quarterback. But you still want to be pushing guys back into him, making him uncomfortable, making him stand in a spot he doesn't want to stand on. 
uh, affecting the routes in some way. Like we weren't doing any of those things. So if <laughs> it's the, like none of these things happen, if the defensive backs were the uh, the watermelon, I think we can all agree that the offensive line was the clear grain alcohol that makes up that comprises the bulk of this. So story. you're saying we want to switch? You want to switch to offense already? I, I kind of wanted we could to just rip bounce on back and forth. I, I want to rip on Jeremy Lane a little. Real okay, quick. let's keep going on defense. Props huh? KJ Wright. Yeah. Uh, props Bobby Wagner. The tackling by our linebackers was excellent in this game and really was the only thing that kept us in it for as long as we were in it. Our linebackers were the best part of our defense all year. I thought Cam played a pretty good linebacker this game, too. He just didn't play very good safety. Yeah, he played bad enough at safety to cancel out his good at linebacker. That's that's the line on Cam Chancellor, though, when Earl's not playing. And maybe I'm going to say this because I, I feel like I was the original Cam lover. Like I, I love Cam Chancellor. I loved Cam Chancellor. It's my favorite position on the field, the strong safety, but... Man, maybe maybe he does not have a place on this team as as much or as well as he did. Yeah, or or like if we don't have Earl Thomas, because the fact that Cam Chancellor can play five yards from the line of scrimmage with impunity, not have to worry about the fact that he's not covering some part of the deep part of the field, that that fact is why Cam Chancellor works in our offense, our defense. Sorry, and Earl Thomas when he's not there. That can't happen anymore. That's not a thing. Yeah. Because if he plays within five yards of the line of scrimmage and Steven Terrell's back there by himself, well, <laughs> good night, Seahawks. You know what I mean? That's that's not going to work. So he has to play farther away from the line of scrimmage. And then now he's not – he's not – you know, the thing that's great about our defense is we seem to get the most out of a lot of unique physical talents. Uh, and in this game, we weren't doing that. I didn't feel like we got the most out of Cam Chancellor's unique physical talents. I don't think we got the most out of Cliff Averill's unre- unreasonably awesome, you know, pass rush ability. You know, we didn't get the most out of these because we weren't able to. They they beat us. It's not we we they beat us. Like it's not you can make you can't make excuses. Like they they were the best. This isn't the Super team. Bowl against the Patriots where you know right, where we we, we lost ran. that game and the Patriots didn't win it. We lost it. Right. We just and got our ass kicked this game. For those of you who want to point out the pick play. Yeah, there was a pick play. And if you want to talk about the KPL uh, hold. Um, hold, you could talk about the KPL hold. But then sure. you are the Detroit fan from last week that was blaming the referees. Right. And when, you lost by a lot more than those plays make. Right. Like, you can bring them up, and they were bad. But the fact of the matter is, move those scores. Go ahead. Okay, fine. Uh, put a touchdown or a field goal on put, the Seahawks put 11 extra points and put on the a field goal on there. We Guess lost what? By five. Still lost. Like, yeah. Applause. The Applause fact of the Kevin. matter is. Put 11 points up on the board for the four for the touch, turning a field goal to a touchdown and an extra touchdown. I don't care. It yeah, does no one on the matter. team is going to make this excuse. Don't make this excuse for them. Yeah. Seattle got beat. It's just the way it is. But you know what the thing is? Is that this, this, is, this goes one of two ways. And I think because of Pete Carroll's extraordinary attitude, we might be okay. Because... You know, this is the kind of thing where he says, you know, we need to compete better. We need to go back to the tape. Let's watch the film. Let's go. Let's bring in new guys to compete, you know. And if we we have $37 million in open cap space, if we don't cut anyone, okay, we probably need to give Chancellor a new contract or get off the pot and move him out of here. But other than that, like none of that money, there's no one that's a free agent this year that you're going to look at and go, oh, we need to get that guy. Unless and that's without restructuring or getting rid of Graham. And unless you're a Hauschka apologist. And the only guy, and that's without getting rid of Graham, right? Which I think they just keep, at this point, I think they're just going to keep Graham. I don't think they're going to, so I don't think they're going to do anything with that. They may on the down low ask him to, to restructure. He, he may or may not say, say no. They may do one of those extensions no. with money. Let's be real. He shouldn't say no. Jimmy Graham is the, 
one of the best tight ends in the league just because the system can't use him because we can't throw a deep seam route because our offensive line sucks so much. It's not his fault. If we could throw a That's deep true. seam route over the middle of the field, like he would be excellent still. What's he make, 12? I think he's next year he'll make 10. I think if and we... And it's all money we can take off the books, too. We can cut him for no and get... 100% cap relief. I think the only way that it happens is if it's like, okay, we'll push like three or four more years to you at like eight and then bring that number down to with, eight. With I 30, think that's the only kind of thing that you could see. 37 million in cap room, I just doubt that it happens. There's just, there's it just, seems unlikely. I agree, but I'm saying not like if there's guys, a restructure, that's the only way I see it. There's not enough guys hitting FA. There's not just, there's going to be a lot of money available. Enough money that we can go after Andrew Whitworth or whoever, whatever tackle you want us to go get. The good ones. There's like three good ones. That are available, we can go get that guy. And I mean, at this point, uh, we got it. At this point, let's talk about it. Let's, let's, well, let's start well, talking. I think I, I want. Let's talk Tommy football. Let's talk. Let's talk offense. Tommy Cable. All right, because I, I want to save the off. I want to I want to save offseason talk for the next couple of weeks. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, like Tommy Cable. This, this is what we need to talk about. We can uh, go specifics in the next couple of weeks. Kevin, line but, was terrible. Yeah, um, the tackles got beat all the time. All Russell the time. Wilson dropped back 39 times and was pressured on 18 of them. Would you like to know how well he threw on those plays? <laughs> no, but I mean, yes. Four for 13, hmm. 78 yards, six yards per attempt, 46.3 NFL QB rating. And people might say, oh, well, you know, you just can't allow pressures. Well, I mean, we got 10 pressures on Matthew Ryan. He went four for seven for 73 yards, 10 yards an attempt. Like that's, you can be respectable when you get pressured. You know, but this offensive line is so bad. It's not like you get pressured from one one angle. Yeah, it's like the whole the whole backfield is a tire fire, and he's got to like jump through a million hoops. Well, also, not only did you you threw that stat out, but we didn't have the ball as many times as Atlanta did. Atlanta had the ball more because they were better and they were moving the ball. Yeah, that was ten on forty. This was uh, what'd you say, seventeen? Eighteen? Eighteen on thirty. That's crazy. I mean, with about 11 minutes left in the first, uh, the second quarter, we had held the ball for 11 of the 15 minutes. The rest of the game, we held the ball for 15 minutes. I mean, it just, it, we kind of fell apart because the offensive line came out and looked tough. They came out and they, they looked like they were going to run them over. And Atlanta adjusted and they said, Oh, these guys are a bunch of, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say. They're a bunch of hacks and we're just going to run stunts and do a bunch of tricky little things. Because to, they don't understand because stunts. Because they don't understand what they're doing. And I mean, and then when Reese Odiambo came in, you paint like a big red target right on his chest. Like they were like licking their chops. And I can see why that guy didn't get much playtime this year. Like that was, he was just When you have straight nothing back. next to you, he's not good enough I to thought, prop that up. You know, to be honest though, there's one guy who nails his assignments every time. And Justin he's Right Britt. in the middle and he's Brit. And if we can just get. Pro Bowl alternate, Justin Britt. Yeah, and he's, that's not a joke. That's for real. He, he, if he, we can get just some guys. I mean, the tackles are so bad. I think if we, I think we just need tackles. If we can just get one tackle, so that we don't have to worry about the edge rush coming for all from all directions. You know, even if just it's like Gilliam's on the right, Gilliam sucks. <laughs> And then we, but we know it's coming from this side. You know what I mean? Just roll away from it we every play. Roll away from it. <laughs> we run away yeah. from it. Like just. Just know that, hey, on the right side, and then you know what'll happen is teams will adjust to try to stop us going left. And Gilliam can blow a guy up in the second level. He's athletic, you know. It's like he's a he's a converted tight end. He can get right. out there and run. He just he doesn't have power and he doesn't have good footwork. Which that's Tom Cable. Their tech and the thing about Tom Cable does not teach technique for the offensive line. Whisperer Tom Cable, like 
their their pass blocking technique is horrible. Well, not to mention this guy Tom Cable is the guy Cable. I keep wanting to say with a, with a P. Tom Cable is the guy who says this is who we're drafting on the offensive line. Right. And go back and look at, at the Seahawks draft and free agent misses or un, undrafted free agents in the draft. We've drafted a lot of guys who are not on NFL rosters anymore. We're talking fourth round picks. Yeah, third, fourth round draft. Yeah, picks. third, fourth I mean, round picks many, make NFL teams. And we had to try. Britt was a third round pick, and we had to try him at three different positions, two of which he looked flat bad at. We basically fluked into him being a good center. Another thing too, that, that was not a guarantee going into the year. That sucks is like we we have these guards that seem like they're coming around. James Carpenter, Jr. Sweezy, they 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 seem like they're coming around a little bit. They're finally starting to look good. Then they go to another team for what seems like too much money, but then they're actually still good. They actually get like a little better when they leave the Seahawks. It's like those old. Remember when the Mariners used to always players would yep. leave and they'd get better. Oh, yeah. I feel like that's us and offensive. Mark linemen. Trumbo still did that for the Mariners this year. He left, went to Baltimore, had a lot of home runs. Uh, I'll say it's. I do not want the Seahawks to do anything Mariner esque ever. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the Mariners seem like they're nightmare. building a pretty good roster this yeah. offseason. Well, that's, I just give it back to the Seahawks. Quit taking the mojo, <laughs> Mariners. Uh, I guess another thing that bothers me is you said J.R. Sweezy. I'll use J.R. Sweezy as an example. Last season, a couple of friends were like, oh, can you believe the Hawks let Sweezy go? And I was like, yes, he's awful. Name a worse offensive lineman than him. And they'd say, uh, maybe Britt. I'm like, probably Britt. Because he was playing right guard or right tackle at the time. Now, what I would give to have Jr. Sweezy, like <laughs> I beg to he was so bad, he was so bad. But is he worse than Fant? Come on, Kevin. Does he play left tackle? No, but I'm saying on the line, you can't put. You can do anything. I would rather have Jr. Sweezy at tackle than Fant. But I mean, like, <laughs> can we use James Carpenter as an example? Because James, James Carpenter, Carpenter was yeah, a good example. He was the number seventeen pro football pick. Focus rated guard this year. I mean, like he's legitimately very good. And how long did it take us to move him to guard from tackle? I mean, we played him at right tackle forever, where he struggled. And they, they and just then put we him finally at left moved guard. him to left guard. The like the last two, two years? seasons he yeah. was with us, yeah. and he looked way better. And then we let him go. And we let him go. And then of course he gets. But everyone gets. It seems like they get a little bit better when they leave. You know, James Carpenter's just a. He's a little bit better than he was under Tom Cable. Because I, I don't know. It's fair. I think there is objective. Like, if you go back and look at every pass blocking season, Tom Cable has had a top 10 pass blocking offensive line literally one time in his entire career. And wasn't it like one that he inherited? Uh, it was ours like three years ago. So, no. The Super Bowl year. But it was like, yeah, the year where our offense looked was really humming. Yeah. yeah. And, and we also had like the sixth most expensive offensive line in the NFL that year. And I mean, it's weak. You know, what's, what's this, this? The divisional playoff is uh what week 19 it's mm-hmm. week 19 and guys are still blowing assignments like that's this unacceptable is, this is cannot te- adjust to a these, simple stunt these are technical errors this is not this is not like it's it's a lack of athleticism it's a lack of the, but they're technical errors that you can clean up by practicing you know just practicing well i well you know they don't have a good front seven that they practice against to be able to learn these sorts of things <laughs> yeah right they, they're not, not practicing <laughs> You know, the thing is, is Michael Bennett's probably just jumping off sides on every play because reading the snap count in practice. This is this is a possibility. <laughs> this is definitely a possibility. I feel like at this point, Pete Carroll stands next to his guys. That's great. It's it's yep. great to have friends I mean, that have he, your back. He literally said, if you think Cable and Bevel are doing a bad job, you don't know anything about football. Yeah, and Pete, come on. 
you're, I, guess you're, I don't know anything about football. Bevel, I, Bevel, I, I'm unsure. You know, uh, Bevel I, is the, he's the it's, mystery. It's a total wild card to me. Like, Thomas I not, Rawls, six I would, carries on the first drive, two carries the rest of the first half, three carries in the third quarter, not a damn carry in the fourth. Well, yeah, no, of course no carries in the fourth quarter. We're down by like 20 points. But the thing, the thing about Bevel is, is I have no idea. He like, hates the run game. He, Here's the thing. I don't know. He ran it a lot with Marshawn Lynch. Like, except there were, there were <laughs> games with Marshawn Lynch where we would mysteriously were, just stop running. And it's, what it is, is he has this obnoxious thing where he'll be like, okay, we're throwing it on first down. Yes. And he'll throw on first down and not complete it. And then he's like, well, we have too many yards this left is, we need to get. So we're going to throw it again on second right. down he does and not, then not get it. He, he does not do run. He does, he often gets us. I will say this. We get in way too many third and longs. And part of that is, uh, unwillingness to run on second and 10. He doubles down. It's like, uh, he has this weird betters but, complex. But I mean, if, at the end of the day, like I would not be surprised if he went somewhere else and was very successful if he had more offensive line talent. And we get a lot out of our subpar offensive line. Like we well, have games. Look at our DVOA. We, we did do better when we had a better we, offensive line with him. We can have. We can. I mean, and so the, at the end of the day, like I want to see. I just want us to see us sign some offensive line talent. I don't actually think the coach Tom Cable verifiably can't teach pass blocking. So just sign guys that can actually pass block. So he doesn't have to teach it. This like, is true. This I, I don't want him to teach George Fant how to pass block. The proof is in the pudding because we he just George watched Fant. that game. <laughs> we watched that game. There's no there's missing assignments. Like you said, they adjusted. They started running stunts on us. It was like our entire offensive line outside of Britt and I want to say Glowinski. What uh, Glowinski is league average. League average. Yeah, maybe league below. Average. Maybe below. He's like I would uh, say by by he's the like fiftieth best guard by Pro Football Focus and by most other standards. He ranks out as a starting caliber. Guard, offensive guard barely. in the NFL. I'll like, take like that. That's fine. I'll take that. And Britt is a top half of the league right. starter. And what do we all, what do we always say when you put someone, you put a position next to a rear, a very good position? Well, that's the thing. Yeah, offensive line is about cohesion and like working with the guys next to you, and that's why the middle of the line works. It's because those three guys all kind of work together. I, I will say, if Fetty faded big time at the end of the season. I yeah. felt like he got worse as the season went on. He came out like he, gangbusters. I thought he was great. The he first didn't six look weeks. tired either, so I don't know what happened. He been. got banged up. A I, know, lot. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if it was just nagging injuries and also or, just being exposed as a rookie and right. having no one on your right side. And he's a big athlete. Yeah, no like, one next to him to help out. And I mean, the thing about him is too is the the you know the scouting report on him says great physical tools, but like not not a great. You know, he's a project or whatever. Yeah, not technically sound. So not but technically sound. Technical Let's put him next off. to Gilliam. That that seems like <laughs> this whole. Work. What bothers me is the line since we stopped investing in it has become projects, and we keep hearing, you know, these these. It's going to take some time for these guys to grow. Well, for some of these guys, the time has passed. I feel like Gilliam, the time has passed. Right. Fant, I don't want to try Fant, and mm-hmm. maybe he's going to be amazing. I I don't see it. I don't see it like that guy. Oh, if Glowinski's the 50th best offensive guard standing next to Bradley Sowell slash George Fan, then he's like the 30th best offensive yes. guard standing next to Andrew standing Whitworth. Standing next to or, uh, or whoever we get. Andrew Whitworth or Russell Okungbe. And if a Fetty's the 70th best offensive guard standing next to Gary Gilliam, he's the 
40 to 50th best offensive guard standing next to Riley Rife or something. That's the, yes. that's the sneaky, that's the sneaky thing that can happen is that we get, we get Okung back this offseason. Yes. I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, Okung's not getting, Denver's going to cut him. For sure. Okay. 100%. Denver got their $5 million one year rental out of him. He's his own agent. And I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if we went to him and said, Hey man, we loved having you here. Can we, can you please come back? And then we just signed a right tackle to go with him. And then, uh, he, he takes some deep breaths and goes, okay. Cause that's, he's, he's deep breathing somewhere. That's, he just, stayed healthy all year this year. With Gilliam. I mean, he got, he missed a few games. <laughs> I was it's gonna Russell say. Okun. Gilliam. He was Okun healthy all year. Gilliam and Fant had the, had the plays where they would let the guys just run around them. I mean, they'd, they'd try and get them. And also what's frustrating is the second level blocking or the lack of the second level block. Meaning once you let the guy go around, you think the play's over, but no, Russell Wilson's amazing. Russell Wilson can get away from those sacks. But he can't get away from the second sacks of the guys coming in for round two and Gilliam and Fant saying, I don't, I don't know. I think I'm just going to stand around and watch this happen. The delayed blitz. Just standing was around, Kevin. Death this year. That Awful. was more Sal. Fant tried to stay with the play. So you're right. Sal, Fant, Fant Sal, ran around like a chicken with his head cut off. If but Sal he did missed try. the first punch, like if the first punch didn't do it, it was, it was, he, he was must, done. it was must see TV for, for Sal. He would just watch and be like, What's what kind of hit is Russ going to take here? It's like he would forget he was in the game. <laughs> Absolutely, it's it looks like when someone's playing Madden or something, and they accidentally hit the player switch button and don't realize <laughs> that they're now controlling the guy. The guy and they're like, running. oh, oh, yeah. sh- shoot! I uh, I feel like <laughs> I f- imagine the noise. <laughs> we've 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 talked about this all year, but this is the national media talks about this, and l- look at it this way: the fans of the Seahawks. You have the worst offensive line in football. Maybe, maybe the Browns worst. I don't know. Like, nope. no, statistically, the, the worst. Okay, statistically, the worst. The worst offensive line in football, and they said it was not particularly close. See, if you look at the offensive and defensive numbers on like a um, Football Outsiders DVOA, that pretty backs up that it's the worst. Look at this though. With all the talent on this roster, the worst offensive line. We made it to the second round of the playoffs. That now there's a little hope there, but that's also immensely frustrating because this team isn't going to be young forever. Our window is still pretty big. Our Super Bowl window, though, I don't know. I, I that is a to be determined to be determined next season. My favorite thing to say on Twitter the last couple of weeks is Baldwin, Lockett, Richardson, Graham. That is deadly. Yeah, that's a great You don't want to try and cover that. You know, right. remember, I mean, it's, it's literally just go out and sign Matt Khalil, go out and sign Andrew Whitworth. Like that, that's our offseason. Like we just need to get one of these guys to come play in Seattle. Let's be realistic and though. Whitworth Pete, is 35. We Pete should Carroll be able to said get him. no. Pete Carroll said, I'm, we're not doing this. We don't go out. Here's what really pissed me off. He said, we don't go out and sign the big name guy to fix a position. We don't do that, Percy Harvey. Jimmy we don't Graham. do that, Jimmy Graham. Like yeah. we, we of course yeah. we do that. Um, I, I, Pete me. is stubborn, and that pisses me off. When we got Harvin and when we got Graham, he said the same thing going into the offseason. Pete always says we're sticking with our guys. Yeah, we're, we're coaching up our guys. And then guess what? It's his, we go out and get a guy, and now that guy's his guy. Well, and it's, because that's Pete. And it's the thing is too for him. He's he's builds this culture around competing, and you can't if you're gonna say, oh yeah, we're gonna go get an offensive lineman to fix that. You've totally defeated your culture of competing, right? He needs to play it up like, yeah, we compete for every position. And even if he brings one of these big name guys in, they're He's coming in to who compete. 
They're coming in to compete with George. Well, that's Hay. what he does. Even though, let's be honest, if we sign Andrew Whitworth or we sign Matt Khalil, he ain't competing with George Fane. Sure blow, he is. He's gonna blow Second George, day of practice. Yeah, Guess who won the competition? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's gonna blow the doors off these guys. But he it's under the auspice, you know. This is our this is our team philosophy. So they have to say one it. it works Fan for him, and I think he won, does stick but the to best it. man won. I think he, I think he would have him compete, but I don't think George Fan is ever going to win that competition. Well, sure he will, because <laughs> uh, Whitworth is uh, thirty five. So in two or three seasons, when he has to retire, uh, <laughs> Fant will beat his retirement. And that's sick Fant on the practice squad. No one's grabbing him. Just let him learn on the practice George squad. Fant, no one. You are correct about that. No one is grabbing him. Hey, you know what? If we if next year we sign, you know, the Luke Jocko reclamation project or Matt Clare, whoever we get to save us that tackle. I mean, if we get no one, I'm going to have a hard time coming in here in the preseason and not saying that the season's not going to go exactly the same way. Yeah. Up yeah. and down. Offense is all over the place. There's a ceiling on this crew without a functioning set and, of tackles. And the other thing is, is it's not every season's like this season where every team has some kind of flaw. The Falcons' defense was eminently beatable, but our defense. But it's young. Our It'll be was, better next year. Our defense was injured, and we couldn't slow them down enough to make it so that our garbage offense could, yeah. could win the game. Like you know, you're right though. We you said that all year. You said or through most of the year, the last half. Every team in the NFL, every playoff team has a weakness. There is no like all-time world beater team. I mean, New England is the closest thing we have, and it's because their defense just continued to improve throughout That's the season. That's the thing you can say that Pittsburgh's now, though, the other they, one. But, but they keep getting better. Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's got pretty thing. balanced DVOA. Pittsburgh's, Pittsburgh's the same got thing. Yeah. Real Pittsburgh's healthy, defense real fast. also got better all the all through the season because they had a young. They were secondary. so young in the secondary, yeah. yeah. But I mean, and these—that's the thing. And though. they got dirty. They saw improvements. It, and I never saw an, uh, an improvement on our offensive line. We stuck with these guys. It's not like what Gilliam started. What fifteen of sixteen games, fourteen of sixteen games. Glowinski, uh, Glowinski's the only person I thought I saw an improvement. I thought Glowinski played pretty similarly the whole season. He had one really good game at the end of the season, like a standout good game. But for the most part, I mean, like look at this I thought last he had week. a good game against Detroit too. One well, that Detroit game. A lot of people are going to say, well, you didn't see any any improvement against Detroit because that was a great offensive line performance. And I'd like to point out that the interior of the line, the two guards in the center, have, have been positive plus been all okay, year. Yeah, and- but the tackles were bad, and Russ got the ball out quick, and it worked. That offensive worked. line, the offense too, it works better at home. Yes. Our guys, when they can play with the snap count and kind of hide, Russell can go out there and hide some of the efficiencies with the cadence. Like, that is a different offense than the one that goes on the road and has to simplify things because they can't hear that's just it's just Look a different that, offense. Yeah, game. it's just a different offense it's just totally different and offense. also detroit different defense not a good oh, right. defense yeah way worse just, uh, not as much team speed yeah atlanta atlanta at least has like raw physical talent i and i i mean there's a couple guys on detroit you like like ziggy ansa or uh, Haloti Nayada, but, but Slay Levy. Yeah. yeah, there's a couple guys you're like, oh, those guys are all right, but none of there's nobody on there. You're like, oh man. Well, what defensive coach do you want? Do you want Dan Quinn or do you want Jim Caldwell? <laughs> I, I I'd rather like Jim Jim Caldwell. Here, let me let me tell you Jim Caldwell's response. Are you ready? Here we go. This is Jim Caldwell's response to your comment. <laughs> Nathan is staring at me with his Jim Caldwell face. I was just gonna I was just gonna see how long he'd let me do complete silence. <laughs> I was willing to wait. Because <laughs> Jim called me. There's no way he says Not anything. Me. No. He just, he just stands there in complete silence staring at the Denny's. It's Denny. like boring Belichick. He's staring at the Denny's menu. He's confused yeah. Belichick. Uh, any other aspects of this game? Do you want to talk Thomas Rawls? I mean, 
I, I, I feel I like he's incomplete. I feel like he's incomplete because he's not getting the ball enough. Can I? Yes, can I, can he, I, he's the type of back that needs to be fed when healthy. Right, and Thomas Rawls too. He runs out of control. Like still, like he was still looked like he was all over the place in this game. Did you? Give, I was like, I'm worried that he's going to get hurt again. It's, did you, Kevin? Did you give your Des Bryant comparison on the air last week? I believe I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I love just the. If Thomas Rawls has any sort of injury, he is one tenth or one fifth of the back. You yeah. said one fifth of the and back, pro, and, and like pro, Na- and like Nathan says, he runs so out of control that he's going to get dinged up. Uh, process I'm not talk being about healthy. This later on. Process not being healthy was actually a factor. Like I did, I mean, I thought that you know the other running backs in Collins and uh, yeah, Nick, Collins had Nick, two Nick, catches for McKissick. seventeen. Reese had one catch for ten. McKissick had one for five. So they they performed admirably. But if those catches are going to CJ Procise, this offense is gonna it's gonna be just that a little much better. I mean, it's one more thing that we could have done to hide our offensive line. It could line. have been one more score. You know, we just we just need to hide how bad our offensive line is. That's at, at the end of the day. Uh, can I talk about one thing that's not Seahawks related before we go on to uh to things that aren't uh things? Because I feel like we need to put this game to Yeah, yes, absolutely. Um, all right, one thing non Seahawks related. Can you guys believe that Andy Reid mismanaged his timeouts and couldn't get the ball back at the end of the game can you guys believe this it was shocking that was the best part we were watching this game at a bar on sunday and we're like how many timeouts do they have they're not showing how many timeouts they have and nate goes well you know he wasted at least one or two already (laughs) yeah and then it shows that all of a sudden they have one left and we all just bust out laughing because we know it's the end of the game we weren't paying that close of attention to it we were like going we walked into the bar in the fourth quarter yeah we walked in the bar and then so it says flag and they show they put yellow over all of it and there's like a minute 31 left and i look up there and i go how many timeouts do they have left? Man, I bet you they don't have... And then Eric's like, I don't know. And then I go, I bet you they don't have very many timeouts left because, you know, Andy Reid. And we all like, <laughs> probably, and sure enough, they had that one was left. It. That was it. Game over. Oh, man, they're so bad. I, I just can't handle it. Andy Reid. It's like, it's so funny because he's such a good coach in so many ways. And then he just has this one flaw, like, just sign a guy who plays Madden all the time to tell you not to waste timeouts. They, I went back and watched part of the game. One of the timeouts he called was on like a fourth and two, yep. so they could think about it. Uh, you don't need to make that. You don't need to call that timeout. That's trust a way- yourself, Andy Reid. Yeah, exactly. You you practiced all year. You know your fourth and two play. Just go out there and run the damn thing. It was just ridiculous. I I just cannot handle it. Uh, anyway, that's uh that's my just. I gotta get my <laughs> I gotta get my dig in because it's just like it's so funny because Andy Reid, like I said, terrific coach. He makes Alex Smith look like a pretty good quarterback. And I'm gonna say I'm gonna say if anyone else was coaching that team, Alex Smith would probably not look like a very yeah. good quarterback. Uh, he, he makes Alex Smith the uh, the breakwater of quality. He's like the 16th best quarterback. Right. Never If he's playing for anyone else, he's probably like the 22nd best quarterback. And the the difference between 16th and 22nd is a big difference. Yeah. Trust me. Just, we're, we're talking like the difference between league average and Carson Wentz. Yeah, yeah. Andy Reid... We we have problems with Pete Carroll here in Seattle. The the sticking to his coaches when he probably shouldn't. But I'd rather have that than oh you you would probably win this game had you not just blown your time. Now, out. Never, you should do. Never forget. Like I mean, Andy Reid is the one who like first started bringing up like Nick Foles and like all those. Remember all those quarterbacks that Philadelphia had like AJ yeah. Feely and like all these guys that just uh, why that were, name? They were not good, and they he Jay made Fiedler. them. He made them all okay. You know, like none of them. He made them all. Service there was even a Detmer in there somewhere that did well. Yeah, it's, he's a coy or a tie. I, I don't know a lot which. of respect for Andy Reid. It just cracks me up that there's just this one thing that he just like. It's just always there, man. It's, he's gonna mismanage clock of timeouts. At least he's not like Dusty Baker, where it's like all he does is ruin pitchers' careers. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
I mean, the best pitcher for the Reds is now a closer, so Dusty Baker. All right, here we go. Uh, the uh, let's go ahead and uh, hit that out. Let's get that out. Do you want to do a pay- let's do a plug a little Patreon? Okay, go. For We're it. now up to like nine patrons, I think. Uh, spec ad. Wait, spec ad. Uh, so, uh, someone, someone, uh, someone signed up for Patreon this week, and oh, I eight, said we do right, a eight patrons. A spec. Uh, I said we do a spec ad if if someone signs up. So uh, since someone signed up this week, we are doing a spec ad. Uh, Who's doing the spec ad? We do, um, we do it. We're doing it on the spec. Like they're they're just gonna. We're gonna hope that they pay us for it. Yeah, just uh, we're, you know, we're just gonna put it out there. See if somebody likes our vibe. All right. So Cholula hot sauce. No, no, no. No, I got this. We Cholula? talked about this already. I got one. It's got to be a local. It's got to be a local food establishment. Oh, can oh, I do? Can I do? Can I finish this one though? Just Cholula hot one. sauce for if you need something for your eyes after that Seahawks game. <laughs> All right. No, no, <laughs> no. Actually, I like the fake, like the one I did for Arby's last week. So, are you going to do the local one, Kevin? Or oh, we just we're going to we're going to just talk about a restaurant we like. All right. Yep. Uh, so, should we do the one we went to? Uh, no. Let's do let's do the one that you should eat at before you go to a game. Okay, so okay. we're going to talk about Tats Deli. Tats Deli Tats is where Deli. we... It's the official eatery of the Seahawks Nest Pot pregame It's the official meal. pregame eatery. The, the official pregame meal of the Seahawks Nest. All right, and then the spec, for the spec ad, let's all say our favorite sandwich on the menu. I like the chicken bacon ranch. It's uh, delicious. It's like chicken strips and bacon and lettuce and onion and tomato on a sandwich, and it tastes real good. <laughs> Give me that chicken strip sandwich. Uh... Because I am boring and I don't want to screw up my Philly cheesesteak, I like the cheesesteak with whiz. With the whiz. With the whiz. Wit. Wit. Do you not get a, onions? onions? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hots? hots? Oh, yeah. Do you do hots? Yeah. Sweets? Yeah. yeah. You do uh, hots No, 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 no. I want hots or sweets, and I want hots. You want hots. Okay. Kevin? Uh, I'm hots and sweets, and okay. uh, I'm also partial to the... Um... Do you do wit with onions? I do. Oh, yeah. Onions, but do you do mushrooms? no whip. Oh, of course mushrooms. Yeah, you know, I... I, I don't mushrooms is Onions, for me as well. Onions, hot sweets. Uh, I can't eat, and cheese. No whiz. I can't too, do the whiz. It's, it's too big too of a much. risk for me to eat a cheesesteak before a football game, being heavily lactose intolerant. <laughs> so I just don't. I just never get a cheese. But my go to there is the chicken parm. Their chicken. Parm they have a is good excellent. chicken parm. I get it. I that have eggplant parm is legit. The eggplant too. parm is the egg, very they legit. They slice the eggplant super thin and then they fry it and it's like it's so it's good, crunchy. And it's almost like, like prosciutto, like amazing. the way it's so thin Ooh. and like crunchy. And they, I'm going to be honest with you guys. You guys are talking about all these sandwiches. I've only had the cheesesteak. All right. Well, next time, maybe you can hit up the other ones. They do a pastrami cheesesteak. That was the one yeah, I was going to say. That one's pretty the good, The pastrami cheesesteak uh, uh, cheese is, all is right. very good. So uh, anyway, Patreon is where you can give us your money. So give us the money, Lebowski, or else we and will And if you are not Lebowski out. and you are the dude, still give us the By the money. way, uh, we're at $19 a month. If we get to $100 a month, we will run. The Brett Hancock Memorial Seahawks Quiz Competition. We'll have a quiz competition live on Twitch where you can win exclusive Seahawks Nest prizes and a one secret Seahawks themed prize. By the way, I got a couple messages about the secret word, uh, but I didn't get the, the total amount. So if you want Seahawks Nest sticker, uh, admin at fromthehawksnest.com. The secret word is this week, the boss. Yes. Yes. Okay. The secret word. My is best the friend, boss. the Boz. Okay. We have we have a few stickers left to give away. Not very many, to be honest with you. I'm almost out of the the freebie ones. But all right. Uh, so to, for Cody, Kevin, Augustin, Michelle, Carrie, Brian, Josh, and Kim. Thank you. Thank you again for for your support. Uh, a Patreon exclusive coming next year. Me regaling you with my tale of meeting. I'll the be boss. honest. 
I'll be honest. I'm going <laughs> to have time to make videos coming up, and I'm pretty excited to watch. Like, I'm going to do uh, an- uh, another Earl Thomas with and without thing. Like the video. Are you going to cry through it? Are you going to sob through it? I'm just going to play uh, that. Uh, Everybody Celine hurts. Dion. Uh, no, the. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, the you Titanic shoot a candle song. in the wind. <laughs> um. And also, I plan on doing some draft stuff. Uh, I think especially after there's draft picks, Patreon I might do some annotated. I'll, I'll be honest right here. Just Patreon draft notes. Mm-hmm. I do not. I do not watch a lot of college football. I rely so heavily on Kevin's draft information. You you'll love it. Yeah, and so for me too. Like I, Kevin knows this. I'd only watch basically the bowl season, and I basically only evaluate the quarterbacks. So by the end of the college football season i have an idea of like two defensive players i like that i saw in the bowl games and then like the i know which quarterbacks i think are good my That's favorite it. part so uh <laughs> my favorite part is if you're watching an nfl game um it's really fun because nathan watches the line and i really like that because i like watching the lines too uh when it comes to the college game nathan follows the ball like it's the funnest thing because Nate's just like I'm gonna be a big dumb fan and follow the ball. I'm just gonna do the most simple. <laughs> well, like he watches it kind of like your mom watches it. I mean the thing <laughs> is is that for like I I like just like I want to evaluate the quarterbacks and so like in the in the I don't know why I don't know why when I watch a college you, game you I are only a quarterback want to specialist in in hiding you seriously for those that don't know and spider mm, two wide banana spider mice. two wide banana kid, Mike. Mike? That's the thing, though, Nathan. You love looking at quarterbacks and why they will fail in the in the pros and why they will succeed. You're not always 100 percent right, Teddy Bridgewater. But hey, hey excuse that, you. That is not over yet. Give me some. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I know. Let's I know. revisit that in five years. No, but there's you know. I really felt like this was the year too, and he was. Yeah, just, was you're very anti Bortles, and you've you've I will you've said why, and you are correct. It looks and, like uh, I don't remember Nate. Were you? I was I really, really pro Bortles. Carr. I thought Carr was the best quarterback in that draft. I liked I, him a lot too. Yeah. yeah, Carr was Carr was looking good. Uh, a big thing for me is in when I'm evaluating college quarterback, I want him to throw accurate passes, and I want him to make good decisions because those are things that are really hard to te- reteach. It's really hard to teach someone to make good decisions with the football. Like it just is not a it's not a thing you it's not a skill you develop that easily. Looking at you, JT, it takes super a super long time. You know, it takes years and years and years to develop the ability to not just make really bad decisions. It's why a guy like Tyrod Taylor continues to succeed despite the fact that he's not like a prototypical perfect fit NFL quarterback because he doesn't make a lot of bad decisions. You know, he makes good decisions on a football field. And yeah, you saw he's all risky the at the at right Virginia times. Tech, you know, at Virginia Tech, he made good decisions. He was a good decision maker despite, you know, not being the mold. You know, uh, Sneak preview, by the way, if you're looking for good decision makers, not the draft for you. Yeah, this quarterback this, is a, this quarterback crop has like one quarterback I feel okay there's about. There's going to be a lot of second and third round quarterbacks going in the first round this year. But we'll talk about that later. All right. Um, so I believe uh, we're on to movie club. Uh, we are. And uh, by the way, Kevin, Kevin, do you do you like any? But can before we go there, do you like any quarterbacks not named Deshaun Watson in the next quarterback crop? Um, Virginia Tech's quarterback. Uh, we we're talking Jared. Wait, Evans. wait, wait! This is my Gerard ignorance. Evans. Is this he going to come out or is he going to stay? He's going. He already said he's coming out. Okay. My ignorance of college and football. There's a few others that I think will be all right after they sit. Watson is two. the Clemson quarterback. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, right. And I, the other thing about Watson is he doesn't have uh, a plus arm. Strength and intangibles on these inaccurate. He's like on, a three on a five. He's inaccurate on deep throws, but he makes good decisions with the football. And I, I think on some level he could be successful put in the right situation. He's Cody Kessler's throwing with really good leg athleticism. All right, well let's go to a movie that maybe slid under your radar in 2016. A movie that maybe should have belonged in your 2016 top ten. 
a movie that we watched on Sunday <laughs> together. <laughs> All right, let's talk about Hunt for the Wilder People. Okay, that was so good. It's such a good movie. Now, I I want to say I saw this as a preview to The Force Awakens. Do you think it's Force Awakens? Did you yes, see it? it was about a year ago. And it had to be like late 2015. Wait, was there an was there an Avengers movie that came out this year? <laughs> or, no. What was the comic oh, book movie? That came I did out? not see. I didn't Civil see Doctor War? Strange. Uh, yeah, I think, oh, I think it was a preview for you're Civil right. War. Yes, you are both correct. It was Civil War. So Hunt for the Wilder People, though, it's uh, Taika Waititi. He made What We Do in What We Do in the Shadows, which is a uh, a movie that has really funny, funny sketches parts of it but it's sometimes you're like eh, it's, it's a little off it's a little weird but i like it a lot uh, and he also wrote some of the songs in moana to help with help the script with moana and he's making the upcoming thor movie thor ragnarok, ragnarok. so he, he and it's, it's, it does his, not star the this rock. Is a movie he directed uh, it stars sam neill uh, which you may remember as the guy from jurassic park and it and it stars uh, a young uh, Maori kid who is like very funny. Is he, yes. is he Maori kid? Yeah. Oh uh, no, he's it, like, that's like the that's that's the like Native Americans of uh, of Australia. Yeah. If you don't know, do you want to? If you want to know, Aboriginal like, maybe a so term that you are used to. Sure. Hearing. If you want to sure. know, like, okay, so what what's this kid look like? The kid is basically like a Hawaiian looking version of the kid from Up. <laughs> he's definitely. A little more thuggish. I was going to say the kid that they kid. use for all the inappropriate skits in uh, the Mancha. You know what? That works too. Uh, yeah, and he he's he always is dressing in like uh, like full hip hop regalia. Yeah. He's got this coat. And he Tupac. Illuminati. He's got this Illuminati <laughs> coat that says yes. "All Eyes on Me." Yes. <laughs> oh, it's super great. He has those uh, those uh, hoodies that you zip up over the face. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Which I always think is funny. This movie had so much charm. Well, before we go into what we love, a brief synopsis of the film, and that is a, a a young kid who is who's in trouble. He's he's been in trouble with the law because a troubled Ute. A troubled Ute. Because what does he do? He breaks stuff. He sets stuff on fire. He throws stuff. He throws stuff. Graffiti, loitering, and, and that's just what we know of. And this is that's just yes. what we know of. And yes. this is. These are all things like when uh, the child welfare worker. <laughs> the running gags in this yes. movie are so good. They talk about they show everything he does, and it shows him like he kicks stuff, and it he throws kick, stuff. It shows him kicking over a mailbox. Yeah, he throws stuff, and it's like, and they're all like these really staged oh, things. Yeah, so you can tell like there's one where he says spitting, spitting and he yes. spits off an overpass. My favorite is yeah, and loitering. It's a bus drives by, and he's got his arms out, and all of a sudden he like puts both arms up and seems to yell, and that's it. Just. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a, it's a great tale. He basically goes to the, uh, the Australian the, bush. Yeah. The Australian bush. New Zealand, Way out New in the New, New Zealand, Zealand bush. bush. Yes. To, to live with this, uh, this family. Which, who, yes, you get, <laughs> you said bush. <laughs> that is, that is a joke in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it's just, he, he goes to find his family or, you know, a family that wants him and it's not all, uh, all roses right away. And it's, <laughs> it's. It's a heartwarming movie. It's hilarious that as ends, well. Yeah, it ends up that he might not get to stay with the family, so he goes on the run into yes. the bush. He go, he goes walkabout. Yeah. And yeah. It, I don't want to spoil anything. Like, yeah, well, that's it. There's, a, there's there. a really big spoiler that's preventing us from telling you very much more about the movie, but I would like to give you the introduction to the character. After you get all of this, you get... They let the kid out of the back of the police car, and he, he walks basically around. walks around the building, like, sizing it up, 
and then proceeds to get back in the back seat of the police and car shut the door and shuts the door <laughs> and it's just like get just like then, stone silent but like if bill belichick gave an interview from the back seat of a police car it would look like this yeah yes. like when when the lady's like knocking on the child welfare lady's knocking on the window she's like this is it nobody else wants you <laughs> it's like it's like dang this lady no child left behind that's and, our motto and well, uh, well motto. that's my motto <laughs> that's my motto yeah well uh We'll keep talking, but this film is right now on Amazon Prime. Free. Uh, yes? I no? Bought, I bought it. Never mind. Keep talking, it's everyone. It's not free, but I think it's worth a couple of bucks. Like, yeah, And you can watch it with the whole family. It's There's some... Uh, it's got a lot of really funny jokes in it. Uh, I would it, say it's got teenagers, that level appropriate, I would say. It's how, got, how young would you go? It's got good, timeless references. Like, yes. I hate when the people make references in movies and they're super dated. But, I mean, this movie references The Lord of the Rings, which is like... 15 years old and, it, and the reference works super good and you it's know really it when you see it when you was, see it you I know was it i was trying to say <laughs> i was trying to say it's like lord of the rings yeah <laughs> and i like the dark horse like guy who carries the movie sam neill uh the the right. older scientist from jurassic park the guy from the omen damien uh he's He's great as a gruff old Australian man who does not, or New Zealand man, we don't know for sure. Yeah, the, who does not suffer the, himself a fool. Yes, yeah, at the exactly. beginning of the movie when he's like, she's like, you can call me auntie, and you can call him uncle. And he just goes, no, he can't. No, he can't. <laughs> as he hangs out of the shed door just to say that. Yeah, the kid, kid just staring at him, he's like, leave me alone. Yeah, he's like, no, he's like, Ma, uh, auntie told me to come out here and ask you uh, do any, if you want me to do anything. Do you want me to do anything? And he just goes... Leave me alone. Leave me alone. Yeah. <laughs> he goes, you got it. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Oh, man. Yeah, the, the writing is on point in this movie, and they the, hit. The director has a really good uh, cameo as, yes. oh, as like a, a preacher. It's, yes. It's very funny. It's so, New, it's so awkward. New Zealand-level comedy, It's we're looking at Flight of the Concords, namely Jermaine Clement and Murray. And, and Jermaine Clement is in Taika Waititi's other movie, The What We Do in the Shadows. Yes. So, so is so is the group, uh, John Reese Davies. He's also mm-hmm. in that movie. He's yep. also in this movie in a cameo. Yeah, role. Reese Davies is in a cameo, another one too, as a werewolf, right? Yes, yes, he is. <laughs> that werewolf scene in What We Do in the Shadows is so funny when he's like, when he's just like, uh, we're werewolves, not swearwolves. Yeah, <laughs> werewolves, not swearwolves. And in my, they're making a werewolves movie, by the way. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Reese Davies is my is the my favorite part of uh, Flight of the Concords. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the guy who plays Murray Hewitt. But in this movie, it's total New Zealand sense of humor is is just peppered in at the right moments. There's so many like dry yes. moments that are so well done, and like the the scene. So I uh, what what do they call those things? The things you fill with the warm water to help keep you like warm at night. Right, oh, he the, like a water bladder. He, he likes, He's trying to heat it up over a campfire, and, it, and it, it splits open <laughs> yeah. and puts out the campfire, yeah. and it's just. It's such a very simple joke, but I just and it really works because they're really like showing they're showing the kid he just doesn't know anything, anything. about yeah about being outdoors. Like <laughs> yeah, just, there's no layers. common sense with this kid. It's he just wants to be gangster, man. He wants to live the skag life. <laughs> like I said, he names his dog Tupac. Yep. What were the three names? It was going to be Tupac, Megatron. Or, or well, killer, I think was the other. It was the other one was like, like something that. like that, something like, like mur- kind of generic. killer or murder, yeah. But Tupac's his best friend, so he named it after Tupac. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a. I was really pleased that we watched this movie, Nathan. It yeah. was it was awesome, and it's pretty new, so that's why I'm, I'm trying hard not to spoil anything. Because I would bet a lot of people have not seen it, and maybe haven't even heard of it. Uh, Say it again. Say the title again. Uh, Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, because I kept trying to tell Abby about this movie, and I was like, something wildebeest, something wildebeest. It was really good. Yeah, that's... yeah, and it looked charming on the preview, and then. I don't really even remember seeing it hit theaters. Yeah, and I totally yeah. forgot about it. Went, it went that. only to like the independent theaters. Me and Amanda, we go to the Grand Cinema in Tacoma a lot, and uh, Big Shouts Grand Cinema, and we. Uh, but and we this was our this was one of our things. We were going to go see it at Grand Cinema. We had it on our list for a long time. We almost went a couple times, and then I eventually I just like we just like didn't see it, and then it came to VOD pretty fast after it had been in the theaters. So we bought it. And uh, and then quite enjoyed it. Well, no regrets. That's uh, when it was in the like the, the the ad before Civil War. I was like, "Ooh, I want to see this movie." Totally forgot about it. And then when you played it, you're like, "Oh, we're gonna see uh, Hunt for the Wilder People." I was like, "I have no idea what this movie is, but we'll watch it." And then when it when I saw Sam Neill, I was like, "Oh, it's this movie." Yeah, it's it's pretty yeah, great. Just very charming. That's my whole review. Like, that's, uh, charming that's the is the best accurate. word for it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well. Uh, we use that movie to wash the taste of that game out of your mouth. That's my t- that's our tip. It for works. You. It it's does the work. Opposite of that it will game. make it will make you feel better until and, you watch the the game again, and then, and then you have to watch what you shouldn't again. watch is Batman versus Superman. <laughs> that will make you feel worse. <laughs> that that's a lot like this game actually. As yeah. the as the I biggest just, just grim and <laughs> as the biggest Batman fan in uh, the tri-state area, I still have not seen that movie. All right, well... You're better uh, off for it. Guess what? Watch The Town and pretend it's a a prequel. (laughs) The the thing about that movie is, can you believe that they had to show Batman's parents dying again? We got it, dude. How many Spoiler! I thought we were giving spoilers. How many movies do I need to see Batman's parents die in? I've seen his Lego parents die. Yeah, in Lego. That's how many many times I've seen them die. Because, really? They died in Lego Uh, Batman? Not Lego Batman, but the the Lego movie. Okay, so you may even see it in Lego Batman movie. Probably. Hey, man. Batman's the number one character in the world. Number one with a bullet. Dude, just like his parents. Thing, if there's one thing... Oh, there was two Thanks, bullets. Kevin. What? All Thanks, right. Kevin. Uh, I know that you guys are... Kevin's into this, at least, when we only have like 30 seconds left. Uh, which movie makes more money next year? Lego Batman or uh, Justice League? Oh, Justice this League. League. No. Justice League, but... Honestly, I got to pull back and say I don't know. Lego, Lego, like, Lego Batman could make like eleventy billion dollars. Uh, Lego Batman, I think, will at best do Lego Movie, which opened at like sixty something million. I think it could beat Lego Movie because but I don't think it'll beat it by that much. Okay. So and I think you're looking at minimum hundred and forty million opening for Justice League. I'm sticking with awful Justice League movie. But it's going to be close at first. Yeah, the the question you should have asked is which one will be better. When they showed that, when they showed the Aquaman scene in Batman versus Superman, and you could just tell he was like holding his breath, I was like, are they going to do this? They're going to have him be underwater and holding his breath? It looks so stupid. I think they're just going to have him waiting in water. That's how you do Aquaman. No, you just do Aquaman by like putting him in front of green screen and having him on strings. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, that's, well, that's how they do all superhero movies, so why change it? Yeah, right. why, why do they have him swimming underwater holding his breath? Aquaman uh, can breathe underwater. It's so for dumb. For all the flying scenes, they don't hook him up on cranes and fly him around a real goddamn city. Yeah. That's right. I mean, come on. <laughs> Except for Spider-Man. Except for Spider-Man. Oh. Alright, jam that like button. Let's do this. Yeah, uh, for... Oh, wait, quick programming note. Yes. So, uh, we are not going away in the off-season. Keep tuning in weekly. Uh, we probably go down to a once-a-week schedule, yeah. but always check up. 
Um, we're going to be going through the Super Bowl with our regular schedule. After that, we will still be doing once a week programming and we'll remind you again. But, you know, keep tuning in. This year, we do not go away. You are stuck with us all year. And we'll still stick with Movie Club because we know a lot of people like that. And, we and if do you too. don't, we like it. So do Yeah. It. And as the thing is, people who don't like it, we've, we've actually heard specifically two people say they don't like it. Okay. And if you don't like it, that's why I put it at the end. Go ahead and just turn it off. <laughs> there's nothing, there's nothing here for you if, Seahawks related. As a matter of fact, after that point, if you're listening to this point and you're hearing us tell you this, you should have turned it off ten minutes ago. But oh. thanks for sticking by, because uh, you know you never know when you'll find a gem like Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah, you, you, now you know about that movie. Yeah, sorry you don't like culture. For the ghost of Brett Hancock, for Nathan Sano, for Kevin Garber, I'm your host, Eric Ronnebeck. We will uh, see you next week on this podcast. Seahawks, they're taking the summer off. Go Hawks. Happy birthday, Brett. We love you. Zombie leader. <laughs>